Hi everyone, Matt LaMarche here with Selling Sandy Springs and Keller Williams First Atlanta. Hope you guys are doing wonderful today. Um, today we've got a super special guest on the podcast, Steve Mercanti, that's going to talk with us a little bit about his year-long um, trip here, um, where he traveled basically around the globe um, for just about a year. So we're going to get into that in just a moment here, but real quick, for all of you that have rated, reviewed, subscribed to the podcast, to Selling Sandy Springs on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, I really, really appreciate it. If you haven't taken the chance to do that yet, it would really help us out, kind of spike the uh, local awareness here, if you will. Um, so again, at Selling Sandy Springs on Instagram and Facebook, as well as YouTube, and you can find the podcast on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast. So um, anyway, with that said, our interview with Steve. All right, so welcome, Steve. Thank you so much for joining me today. A couple, uh, what, two weeks ago or so, we shot a video yep. for Selling Sandy Springs. So if you guys haven't seen that video yet, this will come out about the same time that video does. So uh, in, in watching that video back, though, I was like, we have to have you back on for a much deeper dive to the whole trip and your background, kind of where you came from, what made you decide to, to travel for a year. Um, and I know you're getting hot and heavy into some speaking. And so I really just wanted to, to hear more about this story, kind of your background, but also, I mean, literally almost like a day by day, I would love to just understand, um, you know, what that trip looked like, how the planning went, you know, as much as we can hopefully cover here in the right. next, you know, 45 right. minutes or so. But anyway, so give just a quick little, you know, 60 second intro, who you are and, and what you do every day. And, and I'll also mention that Steve and I met at the Sandy Springs um, Perimeter Chamber uh, networking event one day and started talking and I was just very intrigued by your background and your story and not many chiropractors take the plunge right. <laughs> to very, go travel for Very unusual. Um, <laughs> but I had to sit down and we had to talk about this more because I think what you do is very valuable um, in creating memorable uh, travel experiences and stuff. But also um, that you like, I mean, you threw yourself into the fire, so to speak, as far as traveling goes. I um, did, yeah. So talk a little more about your background and then I definitely want to hear about the year of travel. Well, good morning. Thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah. Um, I... Uh, I was a chiropractor for many, many years and enjoyed it thoroughly. And, uh, you know, a few years back, a couple things happened in my personal life. And I lost a good friend. Uh, another friend had leukemia for two years. He was in and out of the hospital. And my brother got into a motorcycle accident and was in a coma for nine months. So this all happened within a year. So it just kind of got me thinking, you know, I was always passionate about travel and as a chiropractor. Uh, I did travel around the globe. Every year I would take an international trip and had a lot of fun with that. But I always felt like I wanted to, you know, explore further and deeper um, and have a more robust experience. So this all happened to me a few years ago. And I'm like, you know what, I'm getting older and there's no better time like the present. There's no perfect time. Um, <laughs> but I just said to myself, you know what, this is what I want to do. I want to just take a leave of absence and have my uh, gap year, so to speak. Yeah, Most yeah. people do their gap year around 20. Uh, <laughs> I waited till I was 51 or 50 or something like that. Age is just a number, right? That's right, that's right. Um, so I uh, decided to take that leave of absence and had my eat, pray, love moment. Um, and I got a one-way ticket to Dublin, Ireland. Uh, and then that was pretty much my plan. Um, I uh, got a backpack and off I went. Nice. Um, so where were you living at the time? Where I mean, I really want to get into like the logistics of it because I'm a big logistics person and, you know, we just got back from New York. So like mapping out our plan of attack on everything. So how much did you plan before and, and or, or was there any planning? <laughs> well, um, really, honestly, I tell people I got a one-way ticket to Dublin and a uh, backpack and that's really what my plan was. I did have a general idea. I wanted to do a lot of Europe hmm. while I was there. So after Ireland, it was I started in early July of 2017 hmm. and I wanted to go from Ireland to uh, Scandinavia because it's still warmish and so hmm. that was like, okay, let me start in Ireland and get to Scandinavia and then kind of zigzag my way through Europe. Yeah. Um, and, you know, then kind of just keep zigzagging east. And then I, you know, well, there was a couple mishaps and, uh, <laughs> you know, those things happen. But I In really a year had no of travel, plan. there was <laughs> only one mishap. Wow, well, you know, <laughs> there was a few, no, no major ones, believe it or yeah, not. Yeah. 
Um, so that was really it. I didn't have a plan. I did have friends um, meet me in different places around the world uh, just because they wanted to be part of my journey. Sure. Because I have this uh, crazy, you know, idea, uh, pipe dream to, you know, get my journal into a memoir, mm. which is going to be a bestseller, which right. is then going to become a blockbuster movie. That's, <laughs> that's my pipe dream. So my friends jokingly said they wanted to be part of that journey so they can get into the movie. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, so, so y- you had friends from the U.S. Yes. that would come to. So, give us a couple examples. Where where were your friends traveling with you along the way? Well, they would just kind of say, "Hey, I want to go to Portugal." For instance, my okay. cousin and his wife, and they said, uh, "Let's meet you there." So I said, "Well, I'm going to be in Europe." I mean, I, you know, I was in Switzerland when they were like, "I want to go and meet you in Portugal." So I had a URL pass, and so I had to do the mapping and figured, okay, well, you know, how about this time ish. So then I would just try to make sure I got there when they got there. So that was Portugal and Spain. Uh, I had a friend that make, met me of all places in Finland. And then we went to Estonia. Uh, my brother met me in Vietnam. I had two friends that met me in uh, India. Wow. Uh, That's and, cool. I mean, the, to share that experience. Because yeah. I'm sure it got lonely out there. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, I mean, places you've never been, people you certainly don't know. It was probably nice to see some familiar faces Absolutely. every once in a while, I especially always, in some exotic locations. Yeah, yeah, I just enjoyed knowing that they were coming, whether it was like, oh, they're going to be here in 10 days or two weeks or even a month. I would be like, that's exciting for me because it, it just kind of enhances my experience with people I love. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So take us back then to before the trip. Um, obviously, you had a lot going on in that kind of year or so yeah. before, right? But I mean... You know, and and as as small business owners, as entrepreneurs, as people that, you know, try to add value to people's lives, um, it's one thing to talk about doing something like what you did, right? but it's a whole nother to go and actually do it, right? So did you share this idea with any of your friends or family and were they like, Steve, come on, bud. A year of travel, you're crazy. Like, because well, I, I can, I could see, and obviously I'm married and kids and whatever else, but like, we all have different circumstances where the people closest to us are probably like, that sounds crazy. <laughs> well, that's funny you say that because I did tell people because the way I thought about it is if I tell people I'm doing it, then darn it, I have to do it. Absolutely. So <laughs> I kept telling people, you know, I don't know when this is going to be, but this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of my friends, of course, knew who I was. And I'm, you know, I'm a very experiential type of guy. I'm not really a a material type guy. And so they knew this was something that I would and could do. They just didn't know if it was actually going to happen. And, you know, I started a a Vagabond page, a blog on Facebook called Vagabond in part because I told my dad. So, you know, I had to take a leave of absence from being a chiropractor. And, you know, there's a lot of people I had to tell, which wasn't a easy conversation um the hardest one being with my dad you know i'm 50 years old yet my dad i'm still worried about telling you know like because i'm still his son (laughs) you're you're always going to be right (laughs) and i'm always going to be his son and he's always and so i i kind of dreaded that conversation and then when i called him i you know he had to get off the phone kind of because they had they had to go somewhere and i was like well this is a good opportunity because he he can't really drag this conversation (laughs) on because he has to go so I tell him my trip and he's like, oh, well, you know, you travel a lot anyway and you have a good job and you should just keep doing it that way. I'm like, well, I really want to do this so I can immerse myself in these cultures and places and spend time um, getting to know the people, etc. And then he just pauses and this is my dad and he just goes, I didn't know I raised a vagabond. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. And then he just ranted on and on, and he just didn't take it all in. And then he, but luckily on the phone, he just had to get off the phone. So I was like, okay, I'll talk to you about I'll it more, it. Dad. Click. Um, so that's, where I, that's how I chose my name on the Facebook, because I started a Facebook blog mm-hmm. so my friends could follow where I was. It's like kind of where in the world is Steve Mercani. Sure. Um, so they can follow me with pictures and stuff, and that's why I named it. Vagabond, very because, cool. In his well, honor, and it's a great way too for the family and friends. I I feel like to kind of live vicariously through you, right? Yeah. Like certainly they feel like they share in the adventure, but I, I guess that part of them feels like they're there with you, you know, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, it, it was because they like if I didn't post, I would get people posting to me <laughs> saying, "Where are you? We haven't heard from you. Are you okay? <laughs> like where where in the heck are you?" Um, so that was kind. They kind of got to expect. To hear from me sure. and where I am, because they sure. had, I, I didn't even know where I was going one day to the next. I mean, many cases, I literally uh, had to get a place to stay for the following night. Mm. 
and I would be flying somewhere, and I, I don't even know where I'm staying. Yeah. So, so it was just very ad hoc, you yeah, know, yeah. and that's kind of the spontane, uh, spontaneity that I wanted. I sure. didn't know where I was going, and that was the whole idea of the trip. That's part of the excitement, though, I've got to believe. I mean, you know, I'm a very well-planned out, very type A, everything in its place, and a place for everything, yeah. right? But at the same time, like, part of, and especially, I guess this is just probably living with kids, you learn to kind of expect the unexpected, right? And your plans suddenly don't matter anymore either. So it's harder to yeah. stick to things, right? But I've got to imagine that was part of the excitement because, for me, someone that's it's hard to let control go. I mean, I I could see that being very freeing. It was. I mean, it was a wonderful experience. Like I, every time I got into a new city, where there was a big, massive city or a small village in like Thailand. Mm -hmm. I had that this feeling of excitement, yeah. you know, and just anticipation sure. of what to expect. I knew really very little about the town. Now, of course, I had my resources and things I could read about the town and some things to do. But just mm -hmm. to get there, and one of the things I always, always did, whether I stayed at a guest house, an Airbnb, a hotel, or a yurt, whatever it yeah. was, <laughs> I always just threw my backpack down and I went right out just to kind of explore, mm -hmm. even if it was just for a little bit, just to walk around and kind of get the feel uh, and the energy of the city. And yeah. that, that was the f most fun part, to get there and just be like, okay, <laughs> let's explore. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. Well, so, okay, so you, you land in Dublin. Um, where do you go next? Kind of walk us through the first, I don't know, quarter, so the first three months. So there's a thing called the Schengen visa, and it's I don't even really know it fully or wholly, but basically we don't need a visa as U.S. citizens to go into Europe. However, there are certain Schengen countries within Europe that kind of um, overlap with the EU, mm. but they're not entirely. So for instance, Ireland is part of the EU, but not part of Schengen. So what that means is in the Schengen countries, you can only be there 90 days within 180 days okay. legally. Sure, sure. So you don't need a physical visa, but you can't overstay that 90 days within 180 days. Mm -hmm. But Ireland, oddly enough, is not part of Schengen. So I'm like, well, I can spend uh, plenty of time in Ireland without starting the clock. Sure. Uh, and plus Ireland, honestly, is one of my favorite countries in the whole wide world because the people there are so dang friendly mm. and nobody's a stranger in Ireland. Yeah. I mean, they are, <laughs> they are, they'll talk to everybody and anybody and they're just a wonderful people. I love it. So I was like, well, that's where I'm gonna start, Dublin. I'm just gonna fly, and I had been to Ireland, but didn't matter, I wanted to start there because I love Ireland. And again, it didn't start the clock for the Schengen, yeah. which, by the way, I actually did overstay. Mm. Um, and I mean, I can ramble on and go on tangents, but I met a guy in Gdansk, Poland, who was from Australia and living in Europe for years and years, but he would have to do like what he called the Schengen visa runs. Oh, God. And he says, that, you know, as he got close to that 90 days, he had to go to a non-Schengen country and fly to, I think Malta was one of the places he went or Cyprus. <laughs> and I wound up having to fly to Belgrade, uh, just because it's not part of the Schengen, just to kind of come back in, and I was very nervous about that because, you know, I mean, the worst thing that could happen is not let me back in, and right. I would have to go home. Right. But right. so I wouldn't have been in major trouble, right. but right. it would have just jammed up my whole trip. Sure. Sure. Um, so like, you know, I don't even know where I was going with that. But, yeah. Oh, so after Dublin, you, I mean, you've got time allocated, right? I mean, I imagine again, sort of a loose plan of of like. Yeah. Where you, and not necessarily time related, but like the places that you definitely wanted to see. So did you get to see all those places or like kind of walk us through the calendar as far as like started in, in uh, Ireland, obviously Spain and Portugal, we heard a little bit about there, but kind of, you know, zigzag us back across the globe and show us verbally here, of course, well, where, uh, where all you kind of took to. Well, I, I had traveled pretty extensively prior to this trip, <clears throat> so... I, I've been to South America a bunch of times. I've been to Australia, Africa. It's its own massive continent. So I was like, let me just put that aside for this particular trip. Sure. And I had been to Europe many, many times. So for Europe, I wanted to get into like more of the nooks and crannies. Mm. So for instance, I said, oh, I don't have to go to Rome. I've been to Rome. Turns out I wound up getting an apartment for eight days in Rome because my friend and his girlfriend wanted to visit in Rome. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to Rome, which was <laughs> great because I really got to feel Sure. And and feel like I was living in Rome and I got a great experience. Despite me being there already, I really got to immerse myself in Rome, which I'm so glad I did. Yeah. So for Europe, I wanted to spend, I said, give or take um, the rest of the 
I guess it was 2017, in Europe. So I said, like I said earlier, I wanted to go to Scandinavia before it got really cold. And then I kind of just went down into the, um, the Baltics, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, as then Poland, into Germany. And I really had no plans after that. I just wanted to zigzag, and whatever country kind of was neighboring sure. is kind of where I went. And yeah. then friends would kind of interject and say, hey, I want to meet you here. And I'm like, all right, well, let's do the math, yeah. and I'll, I'll be there around you know, the month of November. <laughs> so stuff like that. Um, and then from Europe, I wanted to go. I figured I'd stay in Europe till the end of that year mm -hmm. and then fly to India because I wanted to spend a, about a month in India, and then I wound up going, and I didn't know I was going to Sri Lanka. I mean, I didn't really know, but I was in south southern part of India, and I'm like, well, Sri Lanka is right there. So I got on one of my apps, and I found a cheap flight, and I said, okay, I'm going to Sri Lanka. Nice. And then I went, I flew back into India, which was one of my mishaps. Mm -hmm. I had a double-entry visa mm -hmm. to get to, into India. However, in Sri Lanka, when I try to go back into India, you know, many countries require you to have a proof of departure from their country mm -hmm. um, so I, when I was trying to go into back into India they said well when you how long are you staying in India I'm like I, I don't know <laughs> I said I'm just I'm just winging it and they said well you can't I'm sorry you can't get on this plane no kidding so I'm like what do you mean he's like you need to have proof of your departure outside out to India I'm like well I'm going to be going to Nepal and they said, well, you have to prove that. So I had to get off the line, and I had like 30 minutes oh to get a flight anywhere out to uh, any country outside of India. Wow. So I, I cut off, and I had you know, Wi-Fi issues, and I'm scrambling. All of a sudden, I was able to just to get a random one-way ticket to Kathmandu, and I'm like, here. <laughs> and I just barely got onto my flight. Um, <laughs> that should be the title of the book, by the way, A One-Way Ticket to Kathmandu. <laughs> yeah. Here it is. I'm going to Nepal. Let me on this yeah. plane. No, but I mean, that's an interesting thing. And, and to me, that's what you as an agent get to really impart is the wisdom, right? Because right. obviously not a ton of people are going to travel for a year and run into the same issues that you did or, right. or will in the future, right? Because things change all the time. But at the same time, I think that's a really valuable experience that if I'm leaving for two months and I'm going to Nepal... It's valuable to know. Yeah, <laughs> in order to get in and out. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Like I, that was one of the things where I, I, I mean, worst case, I would have missed a flight, and you know, got I would have got to India at some point anyway. Right, right. But those are the things I didn't realize, and you know, and some countries, even though they have that rule, are a little bit more lax on those, yeah, yeah. on enforcing those rules. For sure. Um, but uh, but uh, yeah, then I, so I, so I went to you know I went to India. It was a wonderful experience. We can go into that. How long know. were you in India? I was in India about a month, okay. uh, maybe three and a half weeks. And traveling all over, keeping in one city and exploring? Uh, or Well, my uh, a good friend of mine, Gavin, uh, he does business in India. Okay. So he goes to India a lot. So he planned. So that's another little thing. So I was in Italy. And, you know, stop me because I sure. go on tangents. But You're good. So I was in Italy and I'm like, well... My dad was like, oh, I'm getting older and, you know, the guilt and, you know, I'm going to New York for Christmas and, you know, you should come back, you know, for Christmas. Mm. Uh, and then you can go back and do your thing. And I'm like, well, maybe he's right. And then I was in Sicily and I was staying in a little Airbnb and like right next to it, there was a department store or something that was blasting Christmas songs mm. on and on all day, all night. And I think it was like four songs. So I was just like getting to the point where, oh, my goodness. <laughs> You know, and then I was starting to get a little homesick, and sure. I'm like, oh, Christmas, nostalgia, and I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, maybe my dad's right, mm. and typically my dad is right, um, <laughs> uh, but so then I'm like, you know, maybe I can just swing back to New York real quick, just for a Christmas experience, see some family, friends, and then from there, fly to India, so I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, so I was looking at tickets, and of all things, I found a really good one-way ticket to New York for like... I don't even, I think it was like $500, wow. but it was out of Albania, okay, Tirana, <laughs> and I'm in Italy at the time, and of course, this is still a couple weeks away, sure. so I'm like, all right, this is a really good price, so I'm like, I, so I clicked, I booked it, and I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to Albania, hmm. um, so <laughs> then I had a couple weeks where I got, you know, to the, you know, from Sicily through Italy, and then I went to, you know, Slovenia and Croatia, and then I started going down the Adriatic coast to uh, Montenegro and then I wound up in Albania and I oh. flew home. Oh. So that was really cool. I had a great time uh, in New York for Christmas, but 
during that time, there was the bomb cyclone in New York, which mm. is basically like a, the ma most massive nor'easter that has hit in yep. decades. And JFK Airport, which was the airport I was flying out of, got flooded because a mm -hmm. pipe burst, and it, it was just chaos. Mm -hmm. So I basically, those flights were all canceled. So I, you know, I was waiting and waiting and waiting, and then I realized there's no way JFK is going to be ready to fly internationally. The domestic was fine. So I was like, you know, let me just fly, find another ticket. So I had to fly domestically out of JFK to Chicago, and then from Chicago nonstop to Delhi, <laughs> and, which was a long, long haul. Yeah. So I was a couple days late meeting my friends. So they went to the Red Fort in Agra, and they went to the Taj Mahal, mm. which which I missed. Yeah. Um, but I wound up seeing it on my own anyway. Sure, sure. So so that was the thing. I got to India three days later, and then I wound up meeting them in Kerala, which is the southern part of India. That's where I started. So I'm like, that's when I was like, well, you know what? I'm really close to Sri Lanka. Let me fly to Sri, Sri Lanka, which I did. Had a great time, met a New Zealand girl, and we wound up traveling for, that was other things. I wound up meeting and traveling with different people at different places, mm. which was a, another cool the thing. You know, yeah. I met a lot of people. So I had a good time in Sri Lanka. Then I went to, you know, Mumbai and Delhi, and I saw the, I went to Hampi, which is a really cool, uh, surreal experience in the desert with these uh, mi middle-aged uh, Hindu temples. Mm. And, um, and then I flew to... Nepal, and I, I did uh, hiked in the Himalayas, which was one of my dream goals to do. Yeah. And oddly enough, I knew, I didn't know this going to Sri Lanka, but they have safari there, similar mm. to African safari. Okay. Mm. So I did this. One of the coolest things I did was like a, 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 a walkabout, a safari walkabout in the jungles looking for tigers and rhinos. And, and it's funny, too, because the guy that was where I was staying, he was working there. He's like, I would not do that. He goes, I did that when I was a kid. And a rhino chased me up a tree, and I had to stay in the tree for hours because he, the, the, the rhino would not leave. So he says, you're basically crazy. So with that being said, sign this waiver, and if anything happens, we're not liable. Right. And, you know, they, I had to go through instructions on what to do uh, to avoid an attack, depending on what animal attacks. Oh so you do different things. And I just thought it was really awesome experience. Oddly enough, it was very peaceful like I was with two guides, I had a, I had to hire two guides, one in front of me, one behind me, and basically we just walked the savannah of Nepal looking for rhinos, and we saw plenty of rhinos and jackals and footprints of tigers and That's stuff. Amazing. It was really really cool. That's amazing. Uh, and then of course hiking in the Himalayas, that was awesome experience. Yeah. Um, and then I then from there I went to, you know, I flew to Thailand. So that was my first Southeast. So I, so again, I really wanted to do Europe, and then India, Nepal, Sri Lanka, and then Asia, because Asia was one part of the world that I was kind of lacking in my travel experiences. So I really wanted to immerse myself in Asia uh, and spend a lot of time there, because there's so much to do and see in Asia, and I was so impressed with most, if not all, of those countries. Yeah. And then I wound up in Japan and looked uh, east, and there was just a Pacific Ocean, and a year later I was finished. <laughs> How long in Japan? I was there about three weeks, okay. um, and my friend was living there, uh, for, and oddly enough, he moved like short back to the States shortly after I was there, so it was nice to see him mm -hmm. and have a friend in Tokyo. I even stayed with him a few days, and uh, then went to Kyoto, and uh, Hikone, and Osaka, and Japan was a great country to finish, because mm -hmm. it's just a wonderful place, a lot of history, very serene. Uh, honorable people but also has its fun dark side as well yeah, uh, yeah. It's just you know it's just kind of a mix between old and new you know cool very cool so tell us a little I mean you mentioned earlier um, you know obviously meeting a ton of people along the way right but um, traveling I mean especially to find other people that are traveling whether again they have a plan or not and whether your plan matches their plan or not yeah um, do you keep in touch with any of those folks, or are you still uh, friends with them? Or? Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of them, most of them are just Facebook friends. Sure, uh, sure. But I still chat with them on and off, and they, they follow my, you know, Vagabond blog on Facebook. So they will we'll comment as I post something. They'll be like, oh, I remember that time. So, hmm. you know, it, that was probably the most enriching thing for me is not only meeting the people at the destinations where I went, mm -hmm. which they were amazing folks yeah. that were just so welcoming. And you learn so much from them, and they just open up to you. But even like-minded travelers, whether they're 20 or 50 or old, even older than me, and we wind up traveling together. So this one guy, the Australian, who told me about the Schengen Pizza Run, I met him in Gdansk, Poland, 
And at the time, he was like, well, I actually live in Lucca, which mm. is in Tuscany, Italy. I'm like, well, eventually I'm going to get to Italy and, you know, maybe I'll look you up. He's like, absolutely. I have an apartment. I have a guest room. Stay with me. So, you know, two months later, I'm like, hey, Trevor, I'm coming at Luca. He's like, excellent. I'll be there. And we had a great time. And, and then off I went. And then, uh, and then he's like, you know, I actually grew up uh, part of my childhood in Malaysia because my father was in the military. I'm going to Malaysia to meet some old, you know, childhood friends. And I think I was, I, I, I think I was in Cambodia. And I'm like, you know, that's pretty close. So I said, all right, I'll meet you in Penang. Mm. So I met him in Penang. So like, there's several people that I met uh, several times in different locations. Yeah. I met a girl uh, from Vegas, Erin, who. We were on a fjord in Norway on like a steamship doing like this cruise through the fjords and I met her, chatted with her and she's like, yeah, I'm going to be traveling for, you know, not a full year, but I'm going for some months and I'm going to be eventually in Munich for the Oktoberfest. So I'm like, all right, well, that sounds good. I'll look you up. And it actually did turn out where I was kind of in that area-ish. So I'm like, well, let me get to Munich. Yeah. I had been to Munich, but never for the Oktoberfest. So I met her, in, I met her at the Oktoberfest. We had a great time there. And... Crazy story. I knew she was in Cinque Terre, Italy, and this is like a month later. Yeah, about a month or so later after Oktoberfest. Mm -hmm. So I already met her two different places, once by chance the first time, and then you know we planned to meet in Munich, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh well, I'm going to be in Cinque Terre. She's like, I'm going to be with my friend there too, but we never linked up. And so, and sure enough, I'm like looking to see how to get to a trail to go from one town to the next town because you can hike from village to village, which mm -hmm. is really cool. I highly recommend. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden I'm walking around. I hear Steve, and I'm like, what the? <laughs> and sure enough, there's Erin and her friend. She's like, what are you? What the? Like, it's just. I mean, of all places, yeah. I bump literally bumped into her in in Italy. Uh, I think it was in Manarolo or some one of the five towns, and I was just, it was just funny. And then That's we wound amazing. up, you know, spending some time there as well. And oh. I, you know, go on and on. I was in Sri Lanka. I met this New Zealand girl, and we wound up spending about uh, maybe ten days together, right. traveling together and doing fun things. And then she wanted to go to some uh, meditation retreat, and I was flying back to India. And I was like, "All right, great hanging with you." Yeah. Off we went. Wow. And Very we still cool. do keep in touch. And I have a lot of friends. Uh, that I keep mostly through Facebook and just chat back and forth. Where are we going? What you doing next? And and that was the most uh, enriching thing for me that brings back the fondest memories. Because yeah. I, I just read my journal again. And I just remember all the people I have met. And just random people. Some you'll never see again. They mm -hmm. just kind of come and go. And people, you know, that you just randomly meet and you'll never see again. But you still have a good, meaningful experience with them. And then they go their way, and you go your way, and yeah. it's just you know, it's just kind of you just feel like you connect with the world. Very cool, very cool. Well, so talk a little more about the journal because I think that's we again. We just got back from New York. Uh, my daughter was journaling along the way, and we were only there for four days. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but you know, it's a lot to take in, especially at eight. Um, you know, but obviously she wanted to come back and tell her fa her extended family about our you know our trip and her friends at school and so on and so forth. So she journaled every day on what we did and what we saw and everything. So talk a little bit about why you journal, but also the value kind of after the fact, right? Because when you're doing it, at least for me, something like that daily, you know, when you're logistically thinking and you're you're trying to plot out your next move, right, whether it's the next day or the next three weeks, um, you know, you don't always find time for it. Right. But, Every time I've journaled, whether it's about business or about our travels or whatever we've done, um, I really, really value and I covet that um, that time mm -hmm. and, and that experience, right? And, and I'm a very good writer, not to brag, but like that's how I'm best communicated, I think, is by hearing my own thoughts through the written word. Um, right. So talk a little bit about your journaling and and. You mentioned you just kind of read it, you know, pretty recently here. You know, how how much do you have, like, how much content do you have there? But also, what was, like, the one thing that when you were writing it, you didn't realize how big of an impact it was going to have here two years later? Well, you know, so even though my trip was very spontaneous and I was winging the entire thing, I, you know, am a little bit type A. And so <laughs> I read five books on long-term travel. Okay. And each book had its own little nuggets of information that were really very beneficial for me. Just sure. things you don't think about, like getting passport-sized photos for random visas and hiking permits, etc. Mm -hmm. So that that was just an example. Yeah. But in those books, they all said, you know, definitely write the journal. 
um, because you know it's going to help with memories and evoke uh, things that you may have forgotten. Sure. Um, but it, they all said the same thing: don't try to be eloquent, don't try to be James Joyce. <laughs> Just you know, blot some things down sure. enough to kind of spark your memory about that moment. Absolutely. So that's what I did, and like you know, sometimes it was a chore. Yeah. You know, it's like you know, it's funny because. Like I would try to do it every few days, but you know, you know, life would, when my trip got in the way, and I'm like, oh, I haven't gotten into my journal. It's a week later, and I'm like, I, what the heck did I do? Through <laughs> where I, I, I honestly, I would wake yeah. up, and for a split second when I woke up, I had no idea where I was, and I'm <laughs> not even that's not an exaggeration. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, and I, I mean, of course, I had to jog my memory when I woke up, but at first, I'm like, I, I where am I? <laughs> um, so you know, writing in the journal is just helpful. So uh, you know, and I took a ton, ton, ton of pictures. So, like, if I waited too long, I'd be like, I, where was I a week ago or four days ago? So I would have to go to my photo library yep. and be like, oh, that's right. right. That's, this is what I did. So it just helps me, and I like to read it because it just, again, it evokes memories. And, mm. you know, I choke up a lot of times when I read this journal and even yeah. talk about it yeah. because it's just very touching. Sure. And, and it's it, it's just so real. And, and then, of course, I feel blessed and so lucky and fortunate to, that I was able to do this. Absolutely. And um, that's kind of why I got into, you know, the travel industry because I want to help inspire people to do not necessarily the vagabond year-long sure, trip because sure. certainly when people go places, they may never get there again if it's on their bucket list. So I want to make sure that their, that experience, I, I hit a home run and I nail it because if they never get back, they don't want to come back and say, ah, you know, I had a good time, but I wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have stayed there. Right. And I want to eliminate all that because I want to ensure that everything they do is what they want to do so they don't have those regrets sure um, sure well and I think too because I so I did a, uh, a trip one time to Jamaica for a little while and I did the same thing daily journaling and trying to understand those emotions and those feelings and right. the people and the food yeah. I mean it's a lot to try to capture in words right yeah. and I took a ton of pictures as well but looking back at the pictures I smile but when I read my own words, I smile, I laugh, I cry. Like, yeah. it's a very, it's just, to read your own writing is very, and like you said, not super eloquent for, you know, what I was at the time was like a high school writer, basically. Yeah. Um, but there's something very different about it. And that's mm -hmm. like the one thing that I really, even just this past weekend walked away with was when you, when it's fresh, when it's super fresh, because I tried to do it at night when everything was right there in yeah. front of me. Um, the two or three highlights from that day would be like at the top of the page and then all of these other emotions and feelings and experiences would, would kind of come behind it, right? Yeah. Um, but you're exactly right. And I even to this day will look back on that journal and I'm like, I really should have done this more, you know, for every trip I took, yeah. whether it was, you know, internationally or not. You know, I think that's travel enriches us, right? It, it, does. And it does. Whether it's the people, the food, the culture, the events, the experiences, all of it together really, really does kind of add to our life journey, right, and our life story. So um, so we've got to ask, because i got to know, and I, I think I may have already asked this in the video, but best food place that you went between Ireland and Japan? Well, you know, I, I, <laughs> as I read the journal, I realized how much uh, great food that I tried and experienced, even wacky stuff, um, and you know, the, my best food experiences, oddly enough, were like in, you know, the one that comes to mind most is I was in an island in Cambodia. Okay. And we were staying in a nice place. So there's two areas on this island. Uh, one that mostly the backpackers hang out, and I did that too. But mm -hmm. then there was one nicer resort. I think Survivor was on that okay. island, you know, one <laughs> nice. year. Nice. And, you know, there's nothing around there except for like if you walk down this little path and through like the woods, there's like a tiny, tiny village. Hmm. And probably the most memorable food experience I have is that tiny little video. I dragged some girl I met at the, the resort um, to come to the village. She's like, okay, let's check it out. Yeah. And we had the most incredible spring rolls I have ever eaten. I mean, just probably the most wonderful experience food-wise, you know, I've ever had. <laughs> and they had like what's called Kampot pepper. So Kampot is like an, uh, an area in Cambodia on the coast that's famous for its pepper. Hmm. And in Cambodia, they add this Kampot pepper to most everything. And by pepper, you mean like, like ground black pepper? pepper. Yeah, black, like okay. black ground pepper. Not like just, bell peppers or green. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Sorry. So gotcha. it's like a black yeah, yeah, yeah. No. peppercorn. <laughs> uh, so that peppercorn's in everything they make. Hmm. And, and they, they, these, these things were so darn delicious 
that that is oddly mm. enough the most uh, the, the favorite experience. But sure. but Vietnam had wonderful food. Like they have these uh, like these uh, bone soups and. Uh, you know, in, in Korea, it was the kimchi and the the, bar, uh, the Korean barbecue. And yeah. uh, in, in Sicily, I had a spleen sandwich. <laughs> I'm not Sounds even, delicious. I didn't even, it was. It was delicious. I didn't even really know it was spleen at the time. I'm like, it of looks like not. organ meat. Of course. But I'm not even going to ask. And then I, then I found out after it was spleen. It was spleen. Yeah. Is that um, how it was put on the menu, too? Or did they give it a fancy name to make yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> well, this was actually, I you know, the thing I... I I cherish the most about my food experiences two things. One, you know, everywhere you go, especially in Asia, they have these night markets and street markets mm. and food uh, markets where you just go up and down and just try wacky things you don't even know what it is. Um, but what's really the most meaningful, especially like in Cambodia and Nepal and Thailand, you know, these families just our entrepreneurs. Everybody is out to, you know, help the tourism industry. Mm -hmm. Sure. And they just put a sign in front of their home, you know, restaurants. So all these places are, you know, quote unquote restaurants. <laughs> and you go into their home and you're in their kitchen and they're, they're and the kids are in the living room playing with toys and stuff and you're in their home and they, they, they welcome you in yeah. and, and they're just cooking for you. So mm -hmm. like, they're like, if you want to eat, you sit down, yeah. we're a restaurant. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of them are outside in their backyards and they just put tables around and they cook the most delicious meals. Yeah. And, you know, one place we had to go through their bedroom to the bathroom <laughs> you know, of their home. I mean, so... That's probably the most uh, memorable thing that's for me. That's hospitality, right? Yeah, there. <laughs> and the people you meet, uh, that's the one thing. You know, people all over the world are, are pretty much well, that, the that same. Was, that was my next question. So, um, and, and I don't want you to, you know, come down on any country or anything, but give me the, the best, most welcoming, most hospitable, and I'm sure there's a ton, right? But where, where were you pleasantly surprised by? Maybe that's a better way to ask it. Well, you know... Uh, I had been to France, and you know France gets the oh they could be rude type of thing. But sure. uh, on this trip, I didn't go to Paris. I was just in the south of France, mm. like Nice mm -hmm. and Avignon and Nîmes and uh, Lyon, and everybody there was so friendly and mm. helpful. Just li little things like one guy gave me his metro card because he didn't need it. Another guy helped me um, find this, uh, tribule, which is basically an entranceway, secret passageway to like a, a wealthy home and, hmm. um, just random acts of kindness yeah. in France. And I just had such a wonderful experience there everywhere, really. Sure, sure. Um, but the Nepalese were so welcoming and, and noble and honorable and very curious about America. Hmm. And, you know, it's just really touching when I read the journal and how, how just touching I, I, you know, and how, the emotions just come alive because yeah. I just remember these great touching moments I've had with just random people, yeah. you know. Um, so it, it, it just, you know, warms my heart. And again, yeah. I read this journal and I choke up and I get, you know, I get the tingling sensations because it just, <laughs> it just, just makes me aware of how, you know, the, the gratitude that sure. I have. Absolutely. Know? Well, so you mentioned Oktoberfest in Germany, which, I mean, that's got to be on most people's bucket list. Yeah. If you like beer, at least. Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> so, was. Um, so within that year, what was the um, the one experience that you're like, man, if I could if I could afford to get back there or if I could make time to do that experience over again that you're like, hands down, out of everything I experienced in the year, I got to get back and try that. Because like, I'm thinking about people that are listening right now. We've all got our own bucket list, right? But you're... I mean, you've checked off probably a ton of things, right? At this point, I have, I have. But uh, oddly enough, my bucket list gets bigger and bigger. I, <laughs> well, I cross one off, and I add two more. Um, right. Well, that's the great, the great thing about the travel, right? Is that the food, the experience, the people, the just the location itself, right? Is can all be intertwined in, in that bucket list. But um, if there were one experience that you could go back and do again, because of, it just blew your mind how great it was, especially relatively speaking. I mean, again, you were traveling for a year, so it wasn't like you took a trip to Germany specifically for Oktoberfest. Right. But, like, what was the one thing in that one year that you're like, man, if I could get back and do that again and take five of my best friends with me, we're going there. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, there's, there's a few that come to mind, but one that really was amazing, and I wish I did, uh, lo I did it longer. I did, like, a five-day hike in the Himalayas. Okay. And there was uh, the Annapurna um, base camp 
trip that takes, I think, two to three weeks. Mm -hmm. And every, a lot of people I met on these what they call tea houses. So you mm -hmm. hike for like a half a day or a full day and you get to this another little village in the mountain, in the Himalayas. Yeah, yeah. And you really get to see how the Nepalese live. And I, they, they, to me, are just amazing peoples. Yeah. Uh, but then you meet people and they're like, oh, I'm doing the ABC. So I, I would love to go back to Nepal mm. and do that ABC uh trek yeah yeah and that's what i would like to do but you know there's so many bucket list things like i did the uh in cambodia i went to the Angkor wat complex mm -hmm. and that's one of the you know wonders of the world it's just like the tomb raider with the yeah. the, the, the growth of the forest growing over these monuments and tombs with the big faces and sadly i was in malaysia on the beach just chilling on this island called langkawi and what i would do is i took all these pictures on an app and then i would uh, edit them and then put them into my photo library. Mm. But before, I, and I would do that every couple few weeks because mm -hmm. it took me a while to edit those. <laughs> um, so while I was editing all my pictures of the Angkor Wat complex in Cambodia, which is a must, must see, uh, and parts of my trip to Luang Prabang in Laos, which is another funny little story. Um, for some reason, I like in my app just zipped out and I lost all those photos. So for that reason alone, I have to go back to Angkor Wat because I mean I remember it and I can see pictures, but all these great photos I took are gone. Yeah. Oh. Um, but there's just a lot of really cool things. You know, you got you got the Alhambra in uh, in Andalusia, Spain is is a really cool thing to to go and see and. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I, could, I don't know. Let me think of some We could probably do a whole podcast on that. I'm yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So there was just really cool things I was able to do that I always wanted to do. Of course, you know, um, the Taj Mahal. Mm. And I did plenty of diving uh, mm. all through Asia, which was really cool and yeah. neat. And saw a lot of different types of marine life that yeah. I don't, you don't see necessarily in the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of different things, and, yeah. you know, hiking through the, the Swiss Alps, and I also did a, a paragliding uh, in the Swiss Alps, which was pretty neat. Mm. Um, I did a micro light in Cambodia, which is basically a hang glider with a motor, okay. and it was just a pilot and myself, and we went over the Angkor Wat complex where nobody gets to see because it's actually massive, wow. and much of it is just undeveloped, and tourists don't even go there because mm -hmm. it's not accessible. And it's just overgrown with moats and like the, sometimes you'll just see a big mound, mm. which you assume was a tomb or something, but it's just overgrown. Mm. Uh, so just, you know, that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't have pictures of that because I wasn't able to take my camera. Um, <laughs> but I would love to do that again. And, you know, I just want to get back out there. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right, Steve. So I've got to ask, um, I mean unbelievable travel experience, unbelievable food and people, and I mean, just everything you were able to encapsulate in a year, but I know the people listening to this have to be thinking, how did he afford to quit doing chiropractic practice and do this for a year? Because, you know, and we, we've talked a little bit about this, giving up, I mean, time is one thing, money is another, right? And, you know, whether you're a, a junior or a senior in high school thinking about taking that gap year between college is college for me or is it not um before you get married like before you have kids i mean you and your wife your fiance like whatever wherever even someone that's 50 years old it's like you know what i'm going on a year sabbatical <laughs> right what um i mean walk us through the a little more of the financial planning yeah. you know behind the scenes if you will okay um and i really appreciate you you being honest and transparent with this because i think when people hear you know, more about the financial side, they'll go, oh, okay, so I don't have to spend the whole year, but maybe I want to spend the summer in between my senior year in college right. or um, my senior year in high school and my, my freshman year in college or before I go get my big girl or big boy job and uh -huh. I'm done with college, I'm going to take yeah. that summer to travel for right. three months or six months or whatever. Right. Um, talk a little bit about the financial stuff, what you did, how you planned, because I think that that adds a whole new element to it, but also no matter where you are in your travel, I mean, we all want to travel more. And I think you could probably, you know, resonate with this, that when you tell people you travel for a year, they're like, yeah, right. Like, no, yeah. you didn't. Right. And you're like, no, I really did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but financially, again, that's a big piece of it. And then the time, obviously you took the time off and yeah. you just said, I'm doing this. Um, but talk a little more about the money and, again, about um, how, you know, logistically all that worked out and, and how that all kind of came right. to be. Um, so, 
you know, I always loved to travel and I always did that while I was a chiropractor with friends, my cousin, etc. Um, but I always had this burning desire to do something like this. Yeah. Since I, did, I mean, after college, I actually did three months in Europe, my little backpacking trip. Mm -hmm. Back then, there was no, quote, gap year. There was no, <laughs> no such thing. Yeah. But I did three months, which was amazing. That kind of started my whole uh, love for travel mm -hmm. and seeing some of this world. Um, but I always wanted to do this. And then those things happened with my, my friend passing away and my brother and my other friend with leukemia. So I'm like, you know what? I, there's, I don't have children. I can do this. So let me start saving money. And I didn't really have a concrete idea of what I was going to do, how I was going to do it, when I was going to do it. But I'm like, let me save up some money. Mm -hmm. And I started reading books. And then I just said, you know what? This is a good time. I'm going to go, you know, uh, in the summer of 2017. So I saved up. Now, you know, all the books I read... You know, you could do it very, very inexpensively. Now, a lot of people that do these gap years are 20 years old, mm -hmm. and they can stay in hostels, they can take buses, you know, and you could do it very, very inexpensively. Mm -hmm. So I did the backpacking gap year light. In other words, you know, I, I winged it, I had a backpack, um, but I didn't stay, I did stay in hostels, but if I did stay in a hostel, I would get my own room and share a bathroom, mm -hmm. since I didn't want to be in. And a few times, like when you had no other choice, like in the middle of Laos, you know, we're, we're on the Mekong, going down the Mekong on a, like a slow boat with my new friends. <laughs> and then they stop, you know, in the middle of nowhere for the night to get back on the journey the next day. And that you're in the middle of village. So there's no other, I mean, people just come pick you up and you're yeah. in a hostel. But yeah. <laughs> for the most part, I stayed in Airbnbs and guest houses and mm. inexpensive hotels. So I was able to do it very inexpensively. I could even have done it more inexpensively had I stayed in hostels and really, you know, ate street food every day, all day. Sure, sure. Um, and for the most part, I didn't, you know, eat at fancy restaurants. And I, yeah. I, you know, I would just eat at, you know, food stalls. And I mean, you were there for a different purpose. You were there to basically get ingrained into the village, into the town, into the city where yeah, you were. Right. And this wasn't a luxury vacation not per se, right? No, like, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's an understatement. Um, cause, uh, but, you know, people do ask me how much it costs. And you could do it for, you know, a few $5,000 a month. I mm -hmm. mean, or less expensive. You know, it depends on, you know, your type of lifestyle. Now, sure. the people I'm helping my clients, you know, they don't want to do it the vagabond ba backpacking way. Right. So, you know, I want to make sure I customize it for the what they want so you know but all my clients are not luxury or or budget-minded like you know that so you have the budget-minded backpacker type and then you have the ultra luxury mm -hmm. so you know I have clients of all shapes and sizes and, and, and people of you know means yeah so I can kind of customize it to whatever they are that's in their budget yeah um, but you can do it inexpensively especially when you do it the vagabond way sure sure um, but when people get to their bucket list places they don't want to do it that way <laughs> they want to have an, a memorable unforgettable experience that they can cherish and they want to have the tours and the transportation, you know, the hotels, everything in place because they may never get there again. So, Well, and I think what's really valuable there, too, is to understand, I mean, for what you can experience in a month, in two months, and I mean, for you in a year, right? Like, especially when you're journaling and when you're seeing the pictures and, I mean, you almost get to relive it again then, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure if you spent every day of 2020 going back through the pictures, back through the journal and reading a little bit every day, it would just kind of bring up all of those experiences again. It was almost like you took the trip again, right? Yeah, it does. Without having to leave. Yeah. Um, but I think also, you know, understanding that it's not, I mean, look, you can always, it's just like a car. You can spend $10,000, $15,000 in a car. You can spend $115,000. Right. <laughs> Is there any real, I mean, it gets you from good A to analogy. B. It's the same yeah, thing, good, right? Good analogy, yeah. Um, but you can always spend less. And I think it's, it's. I mean, look, if I'm hearing this 25, 22, 23, seven years ago and I'm thinking about high school and college and that in between and I hear that I can do this for three or four thousand dollars five thousand dollars a month I mean that's a no-brainer I'm saving up for the next two or three years yeah. to take that trip yeah because because of the value now that I see here 27 years later yeah right? like, I mean <laughs> I had a journal of when I was with my college buddy when I was 20 years old when we went to Europe mm -hmm. and actually you know I remember I was in Copenhagen with my buddy and I went to the same places and I, I put in the journal 28 years later here I am again <laughs> and um, so like once you decide to do something like this you save up and you you know you tighten the belt in my case I sold my car mm -hmm. I rented my my uh, town home mm -hmm. for a year a mm -hmm. yearly so I had nowhere to go so I yeah. had to be gone a year yeah <laughs> um, so that helped so basically that rent that I got from my renters paid for my mortgage sure. so that certainly was a big boost to you Absolutely. know so I didn't have any out of pocket and you know what people don't realize this but when you're traveling long term now 
you know, a lot of people aren't going to get a chance to do this, but I didn't have a, I had no phone bill. Mm -hmm. I had no utility bills. I had no cable bill. Sure. I, I didn't have a insurance payments. I mean, I got a, a year long term travel insurance policy, mm -hmm. but I didn't have car insurance. I didn't have like a health, like domestic health insurance. So like, there's a lot of things that you don't have to pay for. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, well, and that's a great point because, I mean, if someone's planning a trip like this, and again, whether they call you for a, a one month in Thailand or two months in you know Europe, whatever, um, I think that's really valuable because there are things that you thought about already and that you've done um, that most people didn't even think about. They're like, oh yeah, I'm going to be here for three months. I don't need car insurance for three months or yeah. my homeowner's insurance or yeah. I'm selling my house and I, you know what I mean? So there's a lot to, to consider or to think about there. So, um, well, Steve, I think we're, we're going to have to have you back on for the continuation of this story. And for, for everyone listening, if there's questions that you have about Steve's journey for, uh, for that year and travel, I mean, this was only two years ago. I, we keep speaking about it as though it's in the past, but 24 months is gone by. It's not that long. Um, or certainly if um, you have any travel plans coming up for 2020 and want to reach out to Steve to help you plan that, he can certainly do that as well. But um, if you guys have questions or uh, want to hear more about his story and maybe we'll do like a live Q&A one time where, where we can have you back on and we can answer and address sure. some of it. Because I'm sure, again, everyone loves to travel. It's just a matter of time and money, right? Yeah. And, um, and so if you guys have questions, shoot me an email to matt at mattlamarche.com or shoot me an email, uh, a text rather, to 678-687-4397. I would love to get some feedback on this, um, whether or not we should have Steve back on to talk more and go into some of the details that you guys want to hear about, whether you're thinking about a, a weekend-long trip somewhere or a year of traveling uh, abroad. So um, thank you so much, Steve. Why don't you tell thank the you. people um, if, if they've got travel plans for coming up for 2020, where they can connect with you, um, how you can help them kind of make their next trip the most memorable trip they've made. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, Matt. I really enjoyed this. And uh, if people want to reach out to me with any questions about my trip or otherwise, yeah. I mean, most of my clients don't come to me with a year-long <laughs> needs, uh, so I'm doing a lot of different other things, but sure. uh, I always tell them life is short and then we just have to make it happen because you never know what can happen tomorrow. And uh, I'd love to come back and talk more about it because I can yeah. go on tangents and talk about <laughs> it all day long. Um, but you can reach me at 404-662-3311 or my email, which is steve at globalescapes.com. Com. Perfect. Very good. And if you guys haven't checked out the video yet, I'm going to try to post these within a day or two of each other so that uh, you have the video context and the audio context here. But Steve can do anything from a weekend getaway up to a year-long journey for you and anything in between. His job and, and the way that he adds value is pretty clear to me that obviously his personal experience is, is unbelievable. But um, being to so many different places, understanding different cultures and the different types of opportunities and, and experiences that you can have, um, no matter where it is, uh, even here domestically, I think is really, really cool. So um, I hope you'll take advantage of that. But um, anyway, again, Matt LaMarche was selling Sandy Springs and uh, again, Keller Williams First Atlanta. Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Again, leave me a note and let me know um, what else we should have Steve talk about. Like I said, we can go down a lot of different tangents and roads here. Yeah. Um, uh, it's 45 minutes and an hour even isn't enough to really cover yeah. a year's worth of traveling. But um, if you guys have questions or uh, comments and want to hear more from Steve, uh, please, please, please let me know. And as always, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It would just mean the world to me. So thank you guys so much and have a great rest of your day. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.